Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. Is this warning light supposed to be on? I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapy associate, your mechanic. And in the driver's seat, we have you, our fearless listener. Let's go. quote is from Israel Moore Ivor. Save your skin from the corrosive acids from the mouths of toxic people. Someone who just helped you to speak evil about another person can later help another person to speak evil about you. Last week, we talked about the most typical relationships at work. Today, we're going to take on the outliers that can throw a sharp curve into your work life, the foe and the romance. Don, define a work foe for us. So a work foe is a person that you feel has an agenda to thwart you. Now, often people confuse someone who is really competitive with someone who actually is out to get them. Competition doesn't make them a work foe. I prefer to call my work foes a nemesis. Okay. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Foe, nemesis. (laughs) Foes speak badly about your work to you and to others. And they can speak badly just about you, that your character is bad. That's an element that defines them as a foe, someone who is trying to to make your life miserable. Foes might not provide information you need unless you ask for it. And sometimes you have to ask very specifically or they won't reveal information that they do know that would be valuable. So they're actively sabotaging your ability to get your job done at that point. Yes. And sometimes maybe many of the listeners are out there going, oh, yeah, I remember somebody like that in my workplace. These are people who often make the workplace toxic, difficult to be in. It will drive folks out of work. I know all about those. I mean, what's the motivation here? Like, why is this person wanting to make the workplace so uncomfortable and bad? Why would they want to sabotage the work of the place that they are also working for? The answer to that is myriad. It can be anything from when you applied for the job, their their best friend was also applying for it and you got it instead of their best friend. Um, it could be just they don't like you. You know, two people don't necessarily get along. Um, it could be that they wanted that position and they didn't get it. You got it. It's hard to know what triggers the desire to to fight at work. And sometimes the person actually isn't fighting with you. So you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. Is your coworker out to get you or are they just generally a critical person? They tend to find the negative things in everything. I've had many work teams where there was somebody who, no matter how good an idea was, would find whatever the flaw was to that idea. And that was important to them. They weren't anybody's foe. They just were Eeyore. (laughs) You have to ask yourself too, are they showing favoritism to their friends while denying you? Or are they genuinely rewarding deserving folks? Another question to ask is, is this person against you or are they just a bully in general? And if they're a bully in general, it's not personal to you. And we take things more personally than often they really are. 
And, and that can create the workflow. The person might not be against you at all, but your interpretation of their behavior makes it so. So it's possible to sort of create your own workflow. They may not actually feel that strongly against you, but you take it so personally that you're creating your own enemy. Yes. Hmm. That's how my work nemesis and I are. <laughs> so once you identify a workflow, what should you do about it? Well, if you're me, you walk outside, call your dad and start crying. I'm very good at that. If you listen to your mama, she would tell you to ignore them and do your best work. They're not worth the energy. Both of these are viable options. Generally, you're going to want to keep your sense of self out of the interactions with them. So that's not taking what they're doing personally. We were just talking about that. And I mean, if you want to take it one step further, you can do as Oscar Wilde said, and always forgive your enemies because nothing annoys them more, which is very true. It's definitely hard to keep yourself out of it and not take things personally, but it's very powerful if you can really, you know, work is important, but it's also not important in some ways. You know, sometimes you have to step back and be like, this is not everything in the whole world ever. Right. This is not the hill that's worth dying on. Right. And, you know, I, it takes a lot of personal responsibility and personal strength to pull back when you have a coworker who is either very actively antagonistic to you or very passive, just kind of making work more challenging than it needs to be. I've been in that situation a lot over the years, and it's it takes a lot to take a deep breath before responding and remembering that this isn't about you. This is about getting the work done. And if it gets done at the end of the day, that's the important part. Also understanding that they may deliver a message that's really, really harsh, but it also might have a good point to it. So focusing in on the good points rather than just them acting like a, a punk in the workplace. That sort of goes along with the Oscar Wilde quote, sort of a, a kill him with kindness situation. If you're constantly recognizing, oh, that's such a great idea, even though they're super negative to you, you know, they may stop bugging you because it's obviously not having an effect. Or it might get worse. It kind of goes both ways in my experiences. Also, you know, we talked last week about creating friends out of your workplace peers. If you work to create a bigger group of closer colleagues, the peer group tends to kind of act as a bully repellent. So people are less likely to pick on you if you're part of a bigger group in the workplace. Well, that covers antagonistic relationships. What about the opposite? What about a workplace romance? <laughs> For our discussion, we're talking about relationships that started in the workplace and then became romantic. So if you're peers and work in different departments, it may not be as big an issue. Keep the relationship out of the workplace and you're probably all right. That seems like really only in a big company though, right? I mean, even if your company is mid-sized and has departments, how much... I feel like it would be hard to keep it out of the workplace. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the smaller the company is, the more difficult it will be. However, mm -hmm. what I'm talking about keeping out of the workplace is the romantic part of the relationship. Okay. So you can still talk to the person. Right. And do business with the person and treat them like a colleague at work and keep the romance out of there. 
Yeah, no kissy kiss, no no booty grabs. And that's actually a big problem. One of the things that gets people into a lot of trouble. I, I've consulted with a, oh, probably a couple dozen over my career. People who got into trouble because they were too touchy-feely, too grabby, sometimes caught having actual sex in the workplace. No. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It does happen. That's a bad idea. Always. But, you know, think about it. People go, oh, this could be exciting. It's like having sex outdoors or having sex in your car or, you know, having sex on an airplane. People try to do that, too. I think people successfully do that. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes they're not successful or they get caught at it. So back in the workplace, though, the bigger issues tend to happen when there's a power differential. Think manager or hire an employee. We talked about bosses last week. Was it last week we talked about bosses? It doesn't matter what week it was, but we definitely talked about it. Okay. And one of the definitions for the boss is that they control what you do at work and your compensation, your paycheck. Wait, isn't BDSM a thing? <laughs> yes. And we're not talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Ew, no one talk about that ever, please. Well, we don't have to talk about that here or anywhere else. But that power differential can create huge issues from feeling coerced and blackmailed to the opposite, getting accused of uh, coercion or blackmail when you thought it actually was a romantic relationship. Hmm. It can be a big issue when the couples work in the same department and their relationship starts to leak into the workplace like we talked about before. Uh, too touchy-feely, grabby, that kind of thing. Is the power differential less of an issue across departments? It really depends on the structure of the organization as to whether or not that'll be an issue. So, for instance, in some organizations... Whether you're a manager in that department or not, you're going to get together with the other managers to determine bonuses. Even if you try to be as objective as possible, someone could accuse you of favoritism if you give a large bonus to the person with whom you're having a romantic relationship. And if you believe you have hidden your romantic relationship from your colleagues, you are delusional. What are you talking about? It's top Everybody secret. knows. Top secret. Yeah. Hey, my romantic relationship is totally top secret. Yeah, the one with Spooky just doesn't count. That's not a romantic relationship. He's oh, a, work a work foe. foe. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> the opposite. All right. So some of the other issues that happen at work is when one or both of the people in the romantic relationship are married to someone else. Yikes. And that happens a lot. Just, yeah. If somebody's married, don't date them. Don't do things with them. If you're you married, don't go out looking for dates. That too. That too. Both, both sides of that equation need to stay away from one another. Sometimes also the romantic relationship breaks up and the individuals become work foes. You don't really want to do that. That doesn't need to be a thing. So those are really the big issues about workplace romance. Are there any times when a workplace romance could work out? Asking for a friend. <laughs> oh, you, Kim. <laughs> wow, I guess that question's directed at me. Uh, I'll have an answer. Romance never works out. Debbie Downer over here. Oh my gosh, that's depressing. Well, in my experience, I think it works out just fine. So honestly, if we're looking at relationships in the workplace, if the relationship existed prior to the employment of both people, it tends to have more success. It tends to have better balance because there was expectations of the relationship prior to the work relationship. We've talked about dual relationships a couple of times in the past, and this is another form of that. 
Sure. And some, some companies, when they hire somebody, particularly a key individual with a particular talent or up in the executive pool, will co-hire their partner because they want them to move to a different location. Really? So now both people are working at, at the same company. Yeah, they'll do that. Universities do that often. Huh. I have never heard of that. That's cool. You have to be at a certain level or have a critical skill set that is rare. I mean, do you both have to have a critical skill set, though? Not generally. What are they going to do with the partner? The partner's just an old so-and-so. Well, the partner generally probably has already been working and has some skill set. Someone needs to have a very specific set of skills. So if you hire Liam Neeson, you also have to hire his partner. Sometimes that happens and that then creates you have a romantic relationship that is now in the same company. But again, a relationship that existed before the employment of either party. Yep. Correct. The relationships that tend to work best, as we're talking about, exist prior to the employment and then also are put above the employment between the individuals. So they are caring more for their relationship and valuing that more than their work because it's the dynamic between the two of them that is the most important. Within this, it requires creating and maintaining really strong, healthy boundaries between your work and your personal relationship. This is making sure that work doesn't always come home. So you have other things to talk about when you're with your partner that isn't just work. And you do activities together that are enriching for both of you that, again, are not necessarily work-related. There's another dynamic that happens, which is a family business. These can be started by couples, and we'll get more into this into the future. But again, it adds into that multiple relationship that you're going to have with various people in your life. So what about if the family business is not started by the couple, though? So I have a romantic relationship with my supervisor, and her father co-founded the company with another person who's not. So it's sort of two families, but... They employ several other family members. So in that sense, it's a family business, but wasn't started by a couple and certainly not my wife and I. I mean, we, we check the other boxes. Our relationship existed before either of us were hired and we try our best to maintain good boundaries and take care of our relationship first. But it is a different family business dynamic. What about that? And maybe we'll cover that more next time when we talk about family businesses. Sure. And we we can talk about the complexities of that kind of a family business where two entrepreneurs created it and then uh, have been willing to and embraced having their family members work for the company. So now we have two dynasties within the company. And how do you manage that, particularly with succession planning, which we'll talk about a lot. Oh, do you have a succession plan? Yeah. (laughs) To succeed. I do. No, Kim Kim will eventually take it if she wants it. If not, I'll sell off the assets of the company and it'll dissolve. That seems fairly straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about with romance at work? Kim actually said it very well. Your romantic relationship really is much more important than any work that will ever exist in the world. So if you care for it that way, interestingly enough you'll have more strength and more energy to do better work at work because this romantic relationship is so deep and important to you. So please think about that. Invest time in your family. That's where your energy comes from. Work tends to drain our energy. Even if we love our work, even if our work is super meaningful to us, 
it's not the same thing. Work will not care for you when you're sick. Work will not come to your bedside when you're in the hospital. Work will step over your dead body and do the next thing. I hope you don't step over my dead body. No, you're probably going to step over my dead body. All right. (laughs) Dead bodies. So this week we covered the dynamic duo of work foes and work romances. Don't forget, if you have a foe at work, it's not the end of the world. You can look to your peers and try and build up your work friends. And keep in mind that your foe may still have good ideas, even if they make your life difficult. On the romance end of the spectrum, it's best to avoid it if possible, but if it happens, try to keep it outside of work mostly, and be careful because your work romance could turn into a work foe. A foe-mance. Oh, that's the word I was looking for. I really wanted to figure that one out and I couldn't do it. There's a lot of levels to that. It's like a fake romance that then becomes a foe. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. Deep. Deep. Do you have a work nemesis or a secret office crush? Drop us a message at questions at afpsych.com. And if you found this episode enjoyable, please subscribe to the podcast and give us some stars on iTunes, preferably five. Thanks for listening. And until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at RelationshipRoadTrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azavidofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. And may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.